Good morning, friends. Today is the last in our series, Jesus Up Close and Personal from the Gospel of John. And next week, Dale is going to begin a new sermon series on Paul's pastoral letters to younger church leaders, Timothy and Titus. Now, last week on Easter Sunday, Dale preached about the appearance of the risen Christ to the disciples in Jerusalem on that first Easter evening. They hid themselves behind locked doors out of sight of the religious authorities because they might be arrested themselves and prosecuted. Now, one of the things Jesus said to the gathered disciples on that occasion was, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And to empower them for that mission, the risen Christ breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what did they do in response? Instead of going out, at least seven of them retreated home to Galilee and resumed their fishing business. I can just hear Peter saying something like, we're hiding here behind locked doors like caged pigeons in the temple market. We just sit here trying to make sense of everything we've experienced in recent weeks. I can't stand it any longer. I have to get out of Jerusalem. Let's go home and go fishing. He returns to what he knows. Well, with that introduction, let's hear today's text, which is the entire 21st chapter, the final chapter of the Gospel according to John. Scripture reading, John 21, 1 through 25. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord! When Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them, and though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, 
come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to them the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. He was the one who had reclined next to Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So the rumor spread in the community that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and has written them, and we know that his testimony is true. But there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So after returning to Galilee, the disciples fished all night when the fishing was usually the best, but they caught nothing. Just after dawn, the risen Christ stood on shore, but the disciples didn't immediately recognize him. He shouted to them across the water and asked if they have caught caught any fish. And when they answered no, he advised them to cast their net out on the right side of the boat. When they did, they caught so many fish, they couldn't haul them into the boat for fear it would surely sink. They struggled just to row the boat ashore, dragging their fish-laden net behind them. Now, in a variety of ways, this story parallels Luke's account of the call of Peter, which we used in our call to worship this morning. 
from Luke chapter 5. After the miraculous catch of fish, the beloved disciple recognized a stranger on shore as the risen Christ. Peter, often the impetuous one who acts first and thinks later, jumped out of the boat and swims ashore to greet his friend and leader. And later, Pete, Peter helps drag the net ashore and it held 153 fish. Quite a catch. Now, as you know, fishing can be very competitive. A Texan was bragging about the fish back home and tired of listening to him, an Alaskan piped up and said, I caught a fish last month that was eight inches. The Texan laughed and said, that's kind of puny. The Alaskan said, yeah, we measure them between the eyes. <laughs> if you laugh, thanks very much. For some people, fishing is their favorite activity in life. Two Irishmen were fishing under the town bridge. Hearing a rumble, they looked up and saw a funeral procession moving slowly over the bridge. Dunaway took off his hat and put it over his heart. Shimmick responded, <clears throat> Oh, that's so nice of you showing such respect for the dead. And Dunaway answered, It's the least I could do. We would have been married 40 years this week. <laughs> Back to our story. By the time the disciples rode ashore and counted their catch, Jesus had a breakfast of bread and fish cooking over a charcoal fire ready for them. Later, the risen Christ took Peter aside for a private conversation and asked him, Simon, do you love me more than these? That may seem like a cruel question. <clears throat> do you love me more than the others do? It has its basis, though, in Peter's protestations of undying love and loyalty to Jesus at the Last Supper. In Mark's account, Peter boasted, even though all will become deserters, I will not. And a few seconds later promised, even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. Now, John doesn't have those exact words, but it does record Peter's boast. I will lay down my life for you. It came after Jesus' warning at table that one of those present would betray him. And as you know, later that same night, after making that promise, Peter denies even knowing Jesus three times. As a result of his threefold denial, Peter feels enormous guilt and shame and yearns to be forgiven. And with his answer, Peter shows he has learned his lesson. Rather than comparing himself to the devotion and love of any of the other disciples, Peter says simply, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus replied, Feed my lambs. As the good shepherd and in view of his imminent ascension to God, Jesus commissions Peter to act on his behalf. Jesus, in that sense, remains the chief shepherd, but Peter will be his under-shepherd. And by the way, if you didn't know the word, Pastor literally means shepherd. Next, Jesus repeats the question, but taking Peter's cue, leaves out any comparison to others and simply asks Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter repeats his answer with the same words, and Jesus' response is almost identical, tend my sheep. Not waiting for Peter to signal his acceptance of the commission, Jesus asks a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Asking that same question for the third time, 
hurts Peter's feelings. His answer shows that. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus' three questions likely bring to mind Peter's threefold denial of Jesus in the courtyard of the high priest. Those three questions, along with Peter's three positive answers, are a way of expressing Jesus' forgiveness of Peter and constitute his reinstatement to his place of leadership as shepherd of Jesus' flock. Earlier I mentioned Peter's unfulfilled pledge to Jesus at the Last Supper, I will lay down my life for you. Jesus' interview with Peter suggests that in future he will suffer and even give his life as a martyr, something Peter was unwilling to do a few days earlier. Well, what does this text say to us today? Two central things. First, like Peter, we have all failed Jesus Christ. In various ways, we have denied him. We perhaps have betrayed him. We've certainly fallen short of the path of discipleship to which he has called us. The good news is that no matter what you've done or said or failed to do or say, Jesus stands ready to forgive and restore you, as he did with Peter. The risen one is able to use frail and sin-filled people like ourselves to further his kingdom. To be restored like Peter, you simply need to repent by admitting how you've fallen short and be willing to seek to follow Christ. There's a true story about a Roman Catholic priest who was serving in the Philippines. He was a much-loved Christian leader who had carried the burden of a secret sin he had committed many years earlier. He had repented and asked God's forgiveness, but struggled to accept the fact that God in Christ had already forgiven him. In his parish was a devout woman who claimed to have visions in her dreams in which she spoke to the risen Christ. The priest was skeptical, and to test her, he said, The next time you speak with Christ in a dream, I want you to ask him what sin your priest committed while in seminary. And the woman agreed. A few days later, the priest asked, Well, did Christ visit you in your dreams? Yes, he did, she replied. And did you ask him what sin I committed in seminary? Yes, she reported. Well, what did he say? Christ told me, I don't remember. Friends, what God forgives, God forgets, whether it's Peter's sin and failings or our own. That's number one. The grace of Christ is seen here again in this story of Peter's forgiveness and reinstatement of Peter. And secondly, though Jesus specifically commissions Peter in this text, it reinforces his statement to the eleven on Easter evening in the upper room, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. We may not, in fact, we are all not called, in fact, to be shepherds of Christ's flock, but we are all called to fish for people. Scholars have come up with wildly imaginative symbolic meanings of the number 153. That's the number of fish that they caught on this occasion. Now, I think 153 is simply an honest report of this huge catch of fish. They simply were fascinated and counted them, and, and that was the result. If it has a symbolic meaning, it's this. 
It simply represents the church's worldwide mission to fish for people. And it predicts a massive response to the gospel of Christ. It points to the church's evangelistic mission and the growth of the Christian church worldwide. Implied there is the ongoing challenge for us to reach unreached people groups and cultures in which the gospel of Christ doesn't always get a fair hearing, including our own. So in John's resurrection appearances, Peter and the others are all made fishers of people by the risen Christ. Jesus wants to use us in the very same way today. A young girl reported to her mother, my Sunday school teacher told me if I invite Jesus into my heart, he will come into my life and, and live with me, in me. Her mother answered, that's right, honey, he will. Her daughter thought for a moment and said, but mommy, won't a lot of Jesus stick out? Friends, that's a great definition of evangelism. Letting Jesus stick out by what we do and by what we say. Here in Sonoma County, we don't have to look far to find a mission field. With the great majority of our friends and neighbors not involved in any church or temple or mosque, we have almost unlimited opportunities to reach out to fish for people. So will we keep silent about our faith in the risen Christ or will we seek to share our faith with those around us? Who might the Holy Spirit be prompting you to talk to? about spiritual things. The risen Christ is asking us, just as he asked Peter, do you love me? And if we do, how are we expressing that love for our risen Lord? Join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the abundant grace and forgiveness poured out for us in Christ Jesus. We are in awe that you use flawed and sinful people like Peter, like each one of us, as your instruments to become fishers of people in Christ's name. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us that we might become bold witnesses for Christ by what we say and do. Through Christ, our risen Lord, we pray. Amen.